welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. head into the message finally. Uh, This is our third part of our sermon series called Not a Coconut. If you're like me, you're a kid from the 90s and you had this song in in kids' church growing up that would say the fruit of the Spirit is not a pineapple, it's it's not a pear, it's definitely not a coconut because I think those are disgusting, they taste terrible, they smell terrible. We can agree to disagree on that. But the fruit of the Spirit is not those things. The fruit of the Spirit is love and it's joy and it's peace. And uh, before we, we've been on the fruit of the Spirit the past few weeks, before the fruit of the Spirit, if you remember, we were talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit, they're flashy and they're attractive. Everybody wants to operate in the gifts. But let me show you this this meme from Drake that nobody wants to operate in the fruit of the Spirit. Everybody wants to to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Nobody wants to operate in the fruits of the Spirit. So everyone likes the, the gifts, right? Paul was saying the gifts, though, are powerful, but without love, without the fruits of the Spirit, that they're meaningless. They're just empty noise. And last week we talked about joy. You find your strength in joy. Your strength doesn't come from the gifts of the Spirit. Your strength comes from being joyful, being grateful for what God has given you. We talked about how joy leads to excellence in our life. Joy helps us to see the bigger picture and that God has a plan for you. And what he has started in you, he will bring to completion. So we looked at joy last week in Philippians, and today we're going to kind of start up right where we left off in Philippians as we look at the next fruit of the Spirit. We're looking at the fruit of peace. Today's message is peace and quiet. Peace and quiet. Anybody need more peace in their life? I don't think there's anybody that's like, no, I'm good. I got that peace on lockdown. I'm fine. Everything's always peaceful in my life. I don't think so. I think about for myself, when when it comes to peace, in order for me to sleep, I need it to be very peaceful, very quiet. I'm a very light sleeper. I need uh, need a sound machine to be on. I need it to be as dark as possible in the room. Anybody like me? The smallest thing will wake me up. You can ask Shanna. The smallest little thing is going to wake me up. And uh, I think I've gotten a little bit better over the years since I've gotten married, but... um, because when we first got married, not only would I wake up to everything, but I would freak out about anything. You know, I was like, what was that noise? What happened? I think I got a lot of that from my mom, who's here this morning. Um, he was just, what happened? What is that? Oh, it's nothing. You know, she had to be like, it's fine. It's nothing. Uh, but, you know, when I was a kid growing up in my parents' home, I didn't, I didn't think about any little noise. It didn't matter to me because I was living under my parents' house. I was like, well, they'll, they'll take care of it. They'll fix it, right? I'm fine. I'm just going to go back to sleep. But when I became the man of my own home with Shanna, I began to worry about any little thing that could disrupt our peace. Fortunately, where we live, the only things that really disrupt our peace are a loud you know, truck on the highway next to our house or the donkey across the street. And that's about it. But the, the sense of peace in your life, you know, more peace leads to more comfort, more relaxation, we're going to look at the difference between what the world says about peace and what the Bible says about peace. If you've got your Bible with you, you can turn to Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. 
We're going to read 4 through 7 to start out this morning. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All right, so it says rejoice when? Only when gas gets below $4, which I'm hoping is going to get back there soon, right? (laughs) Only when the Buckeyes win? It's a little bit easier for some of us to to rejoice. Some of us are actually happy, unfortunately, when the Buckeyes lose. How dare you? Uh, Only rejoicing when your child behaves that one time in the day? No, it says Paul says rejoice always. Always. You thought we were leaving joy in the past today. No, we got to start here because joy, remember, joy is our strength. And our joy is, what are we rejoicing in? Where are we putting our joy in? We're putting our joy in the same place that we're putting our confidence in. Not in the stock markets. We're putting our joy in God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Doesn't mean that I'm always happy. Doesn't mean that work is always going well or I'm always happy about my relationships, but I can always find joy in the Lord. Then Paul goes on to say, he says, let your reasonableness be known. It's a very interesting word. That's how the English Standard Version translates it. I've looked at other versions that translate it as graciousness or gentleness. Might have to come back to here for our fruit of the Spirit being gentleness. Um, we, we, we know that then it says, that how, how can we go about fighting anxiety? How, how, can we, how can we conquer anxiety? You might be familiar with 4.6. It's one of my favorites. To put it succinctly, Paul says, don't worry. Pray about what you need. Thank God for what he's done. Don't worry. Pray about what you need. Thank him for what he's done. And then, then what will happen? Then verse 7 says, and the peace of God. Pray about what you need, and the peace of God will come. Peace doesn't come from from thinking and analyzing things and mulling things over. It certainly doesn't come from worrying about things. Peace comes from prayer. Peace comes from spending time in the presence of God. Our first point today is is peace in his presence presence. There's peace in his presence. Pastor Craig Rochelle said it this way. He had a quote that said, peace isn't found in the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of God. It's not just due to an absence of problems when problems go down. No, it's when the increase of the presence of God. Peace doesn't always change your situations, but it changes your perspective. So when you spend more time in God's presence, you focus on what's most important. You begin to realize how much bigger your God is instead of how big your problem is. The problem still exists, right? Nothing's changed in your situation, but yet you've elevated the existence of the providence and the power of your Savior. And you realize, I can have peace because of the increase of God's presence, It says the peace that surpasses all understanding. That doesn't mean that you just shut your brain off 
and you stop thinking and you don't use wisdom, but it means even when the situation may seem bleak, even when things happen, God is still there. We can still have peace because we are in his will. Again, even when things don't make sense or they don't go the way we want them to, if we know that we're in God's will, if we're in his presence, we can find peace. I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I leave praise and worship, I begin to feel more refreshed. I feel more relaxed. Not that because my problems have gone away, but because the presence of God has increased and peace has begun to flow into my heart. You know, why, why did I have peace as a child, going back to when I was sleeping in my parents' home? Because I knew in the presence of my parents, nothing would harm me. You can have peace in your hearts and minds because of the peace of God through prayer and in his presence. And I want to clarify, when I talk about prayer and spending time in his presence, that does not mean just one minute flare prayer and then you've got the peace of God and his protection. That can happen sometimes, and I'm glad when that happens, but if you pray for one minute and nothing has changed, you can't say, well, I guess God just didn't hear me. No, no, Paul says the words prayer and supplication. Through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The same Greek words there for prayer and supplication, Paul uses in other areas in the Bible. When he's talking about prayer and supplication in First and Second Timothy, he's saying pray constantly. Pray day and night. The peace of his presence, it takes time to root in our lives. I, I don't know if anyone else has these struggles with sleeping, but this is kind of the metaphor for the morning for me. But there were, there were times that I would wake up in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden I'm thinking about something that's got to happen later in the day. And fear would begin to rise up me, irrational fear. Not something that, that was actually urgent, that needed me to, to have its attention on it, but just something would all of a sudden stir up in my heart. And sometimes God would allow me to go back to sleep if I said, God, please just take this away from me. Let me have peace. But there are other times where I had to get up out of bed, you know, put some worship music on or, or read my Bible or, or begin to journal in order to receive the peace of God. You know, sometimes receiving the peace of God takes work. It's more than just a, a one-minute prayer and then we're better. And after it talks about prayer and supplication, leading toward peace, look at what Paul says next. He says in verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we know that the peace of God comes from his presence. And number two, it's peace that protects. The peace of God, it says, will protect you. It will guard your hearts and your minds. Have you ever heard of when someone says they are losing their heart, that they're losing their minds? They say that they've lost it. They have gone off the deep end. Our hearts and minds need guarded because the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. He, he wants to steal your joy. He wants to fill you with anxiety. And that's why instead of worrying, we have to pray to get into the presence of God and receive the peace that protects your heart and mind. The protection of peace, it, it takes effort on our part, but it is so worth it. 
The battle for peace starts right here. It starts in your mind. And we win by first inviting the presence of God and receiving the peace that will guard your mind. You've probably heard the phrase peace of mind, right? We usually, we usually have peace of mind when we feel safe, when we feel protected. Jesus talked about peace as well in the Gospels. Let's look at, at John chapter 14. Jesus said this about peace. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. When we talk about peace, we're talking about this word shalom. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. The Greek word is erene. And what this means, this shalom peace, it means peace, but it also means completeness. It means wholeness. It means that when one thing breaks down, one thing breaks apart, you lose that wholeness. Think about that in your day. You're driving to work, you're getting ready for the day, and all of a sudden you get into an accident or you get a speeding ticket or someone just cuts you off. Do you walk into work and you're like, that's fine, I don't care. No, that can ruin our day, right? We lose our wholeness. Jesus has said, the shalom peace that I give to you, it keeps you whole. It keeps you complete when things come. But this shalom peace and this wholeness, it, it takes work. Shalom means to reconcile a relationship. That takes work, right? Shalom peace, it, it means when the Bible talks about fighting and wars, and then it talks about the shalom peace, it does not mean simply stopping the fight. It does not mean that the war is over. Instead, it means that they're not fighting and instead they're now working together for each other's benefit. That is what the shalom peace means. When Jesus talks about peace, I leave with you, my peace I'm giving to you, Jesus is referring to the custom that when two people went their separate ways and they'd walk away, they'd say goodbye. It was common to say peace, peace be to you. Where do you think peace out came from, guys? Peace out. But, but Jesus is not being casual about this. He's explaining, I'm extending to you my peace, but not as the world does. You see, the world's definition of peace is to get away from life's responsibilities, to escape, to flee from the problems instead of facing them. But Jesus is saying, no, I will give you peace in the middle of the problems. In the middle of the storm, I give you my peace that will guard your heart and your mind so that you don't run away, but instead you can actually win the battles. You can have victory over anxiety. This is not the peace to survive another day. It's the peace to live the day to the fullness that Jesus has given us. Remember, we said the enemy comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and you would have it more abundantly. We're not trying to just make it to heaven just barely existing. God wants to give us a full life and that starts with a shalom peace. There's a difference between worldly peace and godly peace. We're going to continue to look at that in a moment, but let's go back to Philippians. 
We see that prayer to God, it produces the peace that protects and guards your hearts and guards your minds in Jesus. Then let's read the next two verses, eight and nine. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, thinking about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is really important to remember. Paul connects our peace and what we're thinking about. What we choose to think about, what we choose to meditate on, matters. It will either increase or decrease your peace. I found it's important to, th- to know what I'm thinking about, what I'm praying about before I go to sleep. And there have been some times where I've been thinking on things that have harmed me in trying to increase my peace before, before bed. One time, Shanna was gone for the weekend, and I decided before bed on a Friday night, I'm going to watch a movie. And I chose to watch a zombie movie right before bed. Not my best decision. And the, the movie ends, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, I guess I should try to go to bed now. Shanna's gone, and uh, it's dark out there, and uh, I'm just going to try to get some sleep here. And eventually, I get to sleep. In the middle of the night, I kid you not, I hear this thud. I'm like, oh my goodness, what in the world could that be? First, I just wanted to like put the, you know, the covers over, like, it's fine, there's nothing that I need to check. I'm sure it was in my imagination. And then I thought for a second, I was like, you know what? Recently, we put up new curtains out in our living room. I bet you we just didn't put those up right, and, um, and, and so one of them has fallen down. I was like, I don't need to check that, right? Okay, I'm going to go check. And uh, being a confident man, I grabbed a baseball bat or whatever was nearby as I walked out into the living room. And uh, I went over, and the curtains were completely fine. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, okay, there is something wrong. And so I begin to look around, and I'm snooping around the room, around the house, and finally I get to the laundry room, and the light fixture has fallen down out of the ceiling onto the ground. It has never done that before. It has never done that since then. I don't know if God was testing my peace in the middle of a storm, but I chose to believe that God was still going to protect me and I could go back to sleep after finding that. Uh, Again, it has never happened since then. I don't know if God was just trying to prove a point that I should not watch those things before I go to bed. Uh, Checkmate on me for that. But you see, when we pray to God, he gives us peace. But then what we choose to think about will determine the longevity of our peace. I believe that when you pray to God, he will give you peace because he's a good father. He He gives good gifts to his children. But if then you focus on things that make you jealous and envious and angry and violent and lustful and sorrowful, all those things, where will your peace go? What you think about matters and will contribute to your gain or your loss of peace. And then Paul says all these things. All these things you've learned and you've received and you've heard and you've seen in me. And then he says, practice them. Practice. 
Our third point this morning is practice makes peaceful. Not perfect, peaceful. We're talking about practice. Not a game, practice. Two people got that reference. I'm not going to show you a video today because uh, I think I've maxed out on my quota of, of really goofy commercials to show you, but look up Alan Iverson later for the other 95 of you that don't know what that is. Practice, not a game. Practice makes peaceful. Paul says we are to practice the elements of a Christian lifestyle in order to receive peace. In order to show you what I'm talking about a little bit more, we have to go back to the Old Testament. I know it's been a while since we've been reading the Old Testament. Forgive me, I love reading the Old Testament. So we're going to go back there today, right now, to a time when the people of Israel are being judged, and the Lord is coming, and He's speaking to the people of Israel. He's giving them a warning. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 13. Read verses 8 through 10. It says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have uttered falsehood and seen lying, lying visions, therefore, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and who give lying divinations. They shall not be in the council of my people, nor be enrolled in the register of the house of Israel. Nor shall they enter the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord God, precisely because they have misled my people, saying, peace, when there is no peace. And because when the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash. I got to be honest, when I began writing this message, this passage was not in my purview. It was not in my lens to be involved in this message. But I've been reading through Ezekiel in my personal uh, Bible reading time. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but a quick reminder, if you can do anything in, your, in a discipline, in a walk with, with relationship with God, each, each week, each day, read your Bible. Even if it's for a few moments, even if it's a few verses, I promise you there's nothing you can do better to prepare your heart to guard yourself than reading the Word of God. For those that are reading, you know, every day or every week, I, I don't know what your Bible time looks like, but for me, you're probably more spiritual than this, but I, I'm still waking up when I, read my, when I open my Bible. I'm a little bit foggy, okay? I know you're probably sitting there, you've, you're reading it straight from the Greek translation or whatever, but for me, I'm just, trying to get, I'm just trying to get one English word to like be retained inside of me before I start my day. And I was reading in Ezekiel 13, and I, you know, I'm like barely making it, I'm barely looking, and all of a sudden I see the word peace. I'm like, peace. I'm preaching on that this week. What is it saying about peace? So I had to reread the whole thing. And Ezekiel is saying that this word from God, God is specifically speaking about the prophets of Israel because they are speaking false prophecies. If I can water down this whole situation simply, God's people, Israel, are in captivity. They've gone after other gods. And these false prophets, they, they've risen up and they've declared to Israel, everything's fine. Freedom's right around the corner. Peace is coming. But God says, no, don't tell them that. There's no peace. These are empty promises. That, that's what Ezekiel's talking about when he says, you're whitewashing the, these buildings. You're whitewashing these walls. The walls are supposed to be a metaphor for the protection that we have guarding us. 
And Ezekiel is saying, again, he's speaking God's words, but he says, no, these, these walls that you're building are based on false lies. They're not going to protect you. Now skip down with me to verse 15. See, see what God says next. He says, thus will I spend my wrath upon the wall and upon those who have smeared it with whitewash. And I will say to you, the wall is no more, nor those who smeared it, the prophets of Israel who prophesied concerning Jerusalem and saw visions of peace for her when there was no peace, declares the Lord God. God's saying that his wrath is coming against that wall and against those prophets. He's going to punish those. Later in the chapter, it talks about walls of righteousness. But here, God is saying there's, there's no righteousness taking place. Wickedness is actually being encouraged. That you can continue to live life the way you are and receive peace. But God's saying, no, that's not how this works. And I think maybe God is, he gave this scripture, this passage to us for a reason this morning, because when we talk about peace, we want to talk about the easy part where we say we can just receive the peace of God, just pray for it and you praise God and you're going to receive the peace. But it's more than that. Peace comes from practicing righteousness of God. So if we're living sin day today, if we're feeding our heart and mind with things that are impure and hateful and jealous we think we can just retain the peace of God. That's not how it works. Am I preaching good? Am, is anyone else convicted by this or is it just me? The peace of God is not just a transaction. It's living a lifestyle and living a walk aligned with the rule of God. Look at Philippians 4.9 again. Remember, he says, practice these things. Practice all these things that you've been seeing me do, and the God of peace will be with you. You see, I believe there's a temporary peace of God that we can receive through prayer and supplication. But if we really want, we have to learn to receive and hear and practice the good things. And when you practice, you will not just receive the peace of God, but even greater, check this out. If you've been tuned out the whole time, check this out. He goes from saying the peace of God to saying you will now receive the God of peace. Do you notice that? He goes from giving you the ability to access the peace of God in verse 7 to saying now you receive the God of peace in verse 9. And I'm thankful for the peace of God but more importantly, I need God inside my life, the God of peace, to help me to live and walk out my relationship with him. Peace is more than just an emotion. Peace is, is more than just a moment because we know the God of peace is forever. Worship team, you can come join me. In a few moments, I want to take, a, I want to take some time to reflect and respond in worship and, and allow the peace of God into our lives. I don't want to rush out of here, but I want to take an opportunity for us to pray, to guard our hearts with his peace. Maybe there's something in your life that has been holding you back. It's been a roadblock in your life from practicing the righteousness of God and receiving the God of peace. Now we know there's only one name that can give us peace. Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is through Christ that we are justified and we are declared righteous by God. You no longer have to live under the fear of judgment or wrath because instead we have the God of peace. And our first step towards peace is Jesus. If we don't have Jesus, we can't have peace. So we're going to take communion this morning. Before we go into worship, before we go into response time, if you did not receive communion elements, would you just raise your hand and someone will come and get you some communion elements. But we take communion as a church once a month as a reminder. And I want to show you this passage in Ephesians that I think so well connects the peace of God and why we take communion. Read Ephesians chapter 2 with me. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. You are brought near to God through the blood of Jesus. We take these elements to represent the body and the blood of Jesus. The blood that was shed for us so that through Jesus we can have peace because he has broken down the barrier with his sacrifice. Would you stand with me this morning? We are now reconciled to God through the cross. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? We're going to take the elements in a second, but I want to give an opportunity before we take communion for anyone here to dedicate or rededicate their life to Jesus. If you've been searching for peace all over today, might be the day that you quit searching because as Ephesians says, Jesus he himself is our peace. And you can come to church and, and you can do all those things, but if you don't receive him into your life, if you don't receive salvation, you can't have the peace that, that you're searching for. So whether this is your first time here with us today or you've been here for hundreds of times, I want to give you the opportunity to repent of your sins and confess that Jesus is Lord. Before we move on, if that's you this morning, you want to receive the gift of salvation, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you in mind as we close. You've been looking for peace, but you've been struggling, and you've yet to receive that gift. Today is your day. One more chance. Church, can we, can we pray this prayer together this morning? Repeat after me. Say, Jesus... I acknowledge I am a sinner 
I've messed up, but I know you still love me. And I confess my sins. I ask for your forgiveness. I invite you into my heart. Let the God of peace surround me. I claim you as Lord of my life. I turn away from my sin and I turn toward you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Whether you prayed that prayer for the first time or the millionth time, that prayer places our heart in the right spot to receive the elements of communion. It recognizes our need for a Savior and it acknowledges the sacrifice of Jesus. If you're ready, would you go ahead and and receive these elements. Remember, you're gonna lift up this tab and you wanna put it all the way back down to break that seal. for a minute, I want to share one last scripture with you about the peace of God and the God of peace. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince, of peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. I think it's powerful. The last name of Jesus listed is he is the Prince of Peace. And of all the things that will increase, he says, my government and my peace will increase in you. To me, that says, as God's rule continues and increases in your life, so will your peace. I want to take a moment to pray as we close. If you need time just to get with God and pray for peace, you're welcome to pray from your seat, to worship from your seat, to come up forward. I'm going to be over here. If you need prayer for something specific, if you need prayer for the peace of God to guard your heart and your mind, if you need prayer for something that is keeping you from your practice and your righteousness of God, I even feel like today, if there's something that is keeping you up at night, that is keeping you away from your peace, I, I can relate to that, and I want to be available to pray with you. Let's take a moment and worship before we close this morning. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.